the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to another thrill-packed edition of Unite, i.e. Radio, the radio show for the most important political office, that of the private citizen. And that is just so important. And Do you like your gas taxes being raised? Do you like the... Uh, uh, Explicit sex education that's being uh, being pushed on your on your children, whether you like it or not, in school. Do you uh, like them squandering your gas tax money on other things? Do you like them squandering your water bond money on other things? Or so we go down and down, down, down the list. It's because you know if if, if you don't ride herd on government, government's going to ride herd on you. Well, you're exactly right, and the reality of it is, we have gotten to a point in America where people at large do not understand what the proper care and feeding of a Republican form of government is. And that is indeed what we have. We do not have a democracy. The left loves to talk about, uh, you know, the the threat to our democracy. But there's the, the threat to our form of government is, is, them. Uh, is them and their uh, continued reprogramming in people's brains of what we have. Now, we've got a couple of great guests here that we uh, need to warn people about. John Kupal, Howard Jarvis Taxpayers Association, is going to be with us to talk about a wide range of topics in this referendum midterm election year. And then after that, we have uh, Jason Alex. Uh, I keep wanting to call him Jason Alexander. Jason Anderson, who is running for the district attorney in San Bernardino County. And he's got some really important information to share about that race. So stay tuned for all that. But what a week we have had in terms of uh, news on so many fronts. Uh, North Korea appears to be uh, bending to the will of the art of the deal Trump. We learned from Dennis Rodman that he thinks the reason why Kim Jong-un has become so compliant is he actually read Donald Trump's book that Dennis Rodman gave him. Now, I don't know if that's the reason. Uh, I think it has more to do with sanctions and the uh, diplomacy of uh, the era of Trump but we we finally got some break, uh, breakthroughs on the on that front, and it was funny to watch all the you know the Democrats and the media and the establishment. Oh, you can't be saying those things about North Korea. You can't say those things. That you're going to make them upset. You're going to make them angry. And it was the same kind of thing about Ronald Reagan and talking about the Soviet Union. You can't say those things about. That there's going to be a nuclear war if you say that about the Soviet Union. And uh, as as Reagan uh, predicted, they were headed for the Soviet Union was headed for the uh, dustbin of history, and and that and that fell apart very and that fell apart very quickly because of Ronald Reagan's strength and the same and while Donald's has a little bit different style, a little more flamboyant than Ronald Reagan was the same idea is that peace through strength and to make the enemies of the United States fear us. 
And you know what's interesting about what you just said, how the, the political nannies of the day were saying you can't say that about Russia. The political nannies of the day were saying you can't say that about North Korea. You can't make fun of Kim Jong-un. You can't call him rocket man. You're going to carry us into a nuclear war. Some of those same types of voices around the Inland Empire, around California, are saying, well, we can't bring SB 54 issues before the city council because um, it's going to create division. It's not relevant to our there are people there are gutless people at that level of government as well that are afraid to bring clarity to a very important issue. And that's a, that's a great example of people getting involved is we've been going to some of these city council meetings. We can't go to all of them, but all through the Southland and some of Northern California are pushing back on the Democrats SB 54 and we can debate illegal immigration, which the Democrats favor and a lot of Republicans favor it for somewhat different reasons. But th- this SB 54, they are so brazen in supporting illegal immigration that it protects illegal immigrant criminals. So instead of having an illegal immigrant criminal being deported so they can't commit more crimes here, the Democrats want to turn them loose on the streets of California to commit more crimes on Americans and legal residents of California. And it has been so important that, 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 that the patriots uh, have been showing up at the city council meetings and pushing back, and we've been winning these issues all across the Southland. Well, right. And the other thing is they're concerned about ICE going into their communities. Well, where is ICE going to have to go if they can't pick these people up at the jails and the prisons? ICE has to go into the community. Right. And it's it's apparent from listening to the pro-illegal immigrant side of these meetings that they do not want to enforce America's immigration laws anytime, anywhere, against anyone. They, and and it's, it's really, I mean, if you think of, if you step back and look at it, you have illegal immigrants showing up at these city council and, and pr- announcing that they're an illegal immigrant, right? And they're opposed to this. I mean, in, in a rational country, someone who shows up and says, "I'm a lawbreaker," and they're, and they're, and these meetings, they they have deputy sheriffs or police officers to keep order, would be promptly arrested. City of Corona had a commission meeting, uh, a committee meeting this week where they were considering this issue in order to be uh, in order to put it on the uh, May 16th calendar for a discussion. And the uh, oppose the people that support SB 54 came out in force at that committee meeting. And the uh, one of the unifying things in that in, in among their voices were if you do this, if you come out in opposition to SB 54, you will be sued. You will, I mean, they literally brought the fear of God into them, uh, uh, trying to, I should say, with fallacious ar- straw man arguments that are not true. That's absolutely not true. A lot of the cities have adopted, if you adopt a resolution opposing SB 54, and that's a good first step. There's no, there's, there's no lawsuit there. The only way you can there's possibly no get sued would be doing what Los Alamitos did, which right. says, we're opting out and we're not going to follow SB 54 because we judge it to be unconstitutional and in conflict with federal law. Then you could potentially be sued. But if you, if you merely adopt a resolution, if you file a brief, if you join one of the lawsuits against SB 54, you can't be sued for that. So that's totally fallacious, as you said, and just trying to scare people into not supporting or not to opposing SB 54, because these supporters of illegal immigration, if they can keep the battle focused on this point here, illegal immigrant criminals, then the rest of the illegal immigrants are protected. So you, you, you fight them tooth and nail every square inch, uh, for every inch of territory. 
But it's been great to see a lot of these city councils have been standing up. San Jacinto, Costa Mesa just this week. Corona's coming up. Riverside's coming up. And it's so important that you get out there and push back. Absolutely. This is such an important issue because this is the flashpoint uh, for the political division in California. This is everything that we have been talking about, the war, the culture war, the political divide. SB 54 is lining up to be that flashpoint in this political division. Now, stay tuned for our our guest, John Kapal of the Howard Jarvis Taxpayers Association, coming up next after this word from Ed Hoffman of Wholesale Capital Corporation, the place to take your car. This word from Ed Hoffman of Wholesale Capital Corporation, the place to go for your real estate lending needs, both residential and commercial. Back after this. Hey, Larry Elder here. Now, if you're a homeowner thinking about refinancing or you'd like to be a homeowner and aren't sure where to start, call my friend Ed Hoffman at Wholesale Capital Corporation. Rates are great right now, and from what Ed tells me, there are a lot of great opportunities out there in real estate. You need a lender you can count on, and I can vouch for Ed. He'll deal with you straight and advise you like... You're part of the family. Just give Ed a call at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. I know Ed. He's a good guy. He'll talk to you like a friend and won't make you feel like you've just walked into a shark tank. Now's the time to buy or refinance. Give my friend Ed Hoffman a call at Wholesale Capital Corporation. Again, 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. Or visit him online, wccloans.com. 855-640-2020. AM 590, the answer. This is Assemblywoman Melissa Melendez urging you to tune in to Unite IE Radio every Saturday afternoon at 4 p.m. on AM 590, The Answer. Welcome back to Unite IE Radio, the radio show for the most important political office, that of the private citizen. We are pleased and honored to have on the line with us John Kapal, who is the leader of the preeminent Taxpayers Advocacy Organization in California, the Howard Jarvis Taxpayers Association. And we all know who Howard Jarvis was, but for those who don't, he He's responsible for Proposition 13 that prevents your property taxes from going up as the value of your property goes up and taxing you out of your home. And John is now carrying on that work in the Howard Jarvis Taxpayers Association. Good morning and welcome, John. Uh, Pleasure to be here. Thank you for inviting me. And thanks for doing that work of keeping the flame of Prop 8 intact. And I'm sorry, Prop 13. I I just came from a meeting where (laughs) we were talking about a lot, a variety of things. Prop 13, and uh, it is possibly under attack, and that's why we need to get a good conservative into uh, the governorship. And we need to make sure that the uh, legislature doesn't fall back into a two-thirds majority to keep Prop 13 uh, intact. Yeah, that's absolutely correct. You know, uh, Prop 13, you know, we're coming up on the 40th anniversary. Hard to believe. Wow. But this coming June 6th will be the 40th anniversary of Prop 13. And, you know, from the first day, from the day after the election in 1978, it has been under constant assault uh, from the uh, political elites, uh, from government unions, from editorial boards, from the legislature, and from the courts. And it has forced us to come back to the people on multiple occasions to close some of the loopholes created in in, uh, uh, in Prop 13. Um, 
you know, Prop 13 was very simple, straightforward, and yet uh, the courts found these various ambiguities, and they really tortured the language to come up with some uh, results-oriented findings, uh, which continues to bother us, and they continue to do mm. that to this day. Uh, We've had to come back in 1986 with an initiative. In 1996, we did the Right to Vote on Taxes Act, also known as Prop 218. And now uh, we are proposing, uh, working with uh, other coalition partners, for something called the uh, uh, Taxpayer Fairness, Transparency, and Accountability Act, which will be on the November ballot to close more of these loopholes. So, again, it's a constant battle, and it just goes to show that... uh, uh, you know, in politics as in warfare, you can never you can never uh, fall asleep at the switch because there's always uh, battles going on. Amen to that. And you really you, you said it right there. A lot of people and part of our program is to reach out to the folks that are sitting on the couch, get them engaged. A lot of people say, you know, this doesn't affect me. Politics is not, uh, you know, my vote doesn't count. And more and more clearly never more clearly stated is what you just said the direct impact of political choices on the impact of our daily lives is keeping prop 13 intact and it's been a full-time job for your organization to make sure that prop 13 stays intact yeah absolutely correct and we do it in every venue that we can possibly uh that you can possibly imagine you know most people know us for the Howard Jarvis Taxpayers Association, but we also have an affiliated foundation called the Howard Jarvis Taxpayers Foundation. We do litigation through that. We fight for the Prop 13 and other taxpayer rights uh, in the courts, and we do that through our foundation. That's a uh, and people who support that. Uh, that's a tax deductible uh, contribution. But we also have uh, two initiative committees. One's called uh, Protect Prop 13, and the other one's No New Taxes. And then, of course, we have a political action committee. So we're, you know, we we try to press forward with a positive taxpayer pro property rights agenda in every venue available to anybody who wants uh, positive outcomes in the political field. You came out with an endorsement this past week, and this is probably the instigating reason to to, to ask you on on the show, and that was to endorse John Cox for governor. I think the many in the activist, more conservative community that we associate with uh, were surprised by that because they support Travis Allen. Why Why did you endorse John Cox? Well, first of all, a lot of this is an outgrowth of what we call the top two primary, also known as the jungle primary, uh, which was brought to us. Uh, we, we opposed it at the time, uh, but it is a method of electing public officials, uh, taking the top two in the primary and putting them on the ballot in the general. And what this has resulted in, I mean, the theory behind it was that it was going to moderate the voices on both ends of the political spectrum. That was the theory. Uh, we didn't buy it at the time. We opposed it. And what it has turned out to be, particularly for statewide offices, is having Democrat on Democrat. And one of the things that, that we're concerned about is that if, come November, at the top of the ticket, we have Gavin Newsom versus Antonio Villarosa, then there will be no platform to articulate a conservative, pro-Prop 13, pro-taxpayer message. Um, look, uh, we're, we're big believers in uh, Ronald Reagan's 11th Commandment, that you don't speak ill of, of, uh, of fellow Republicans. Now, in, in our situation, 
HJTA, people associate us with being Republican. About a third of our members are Democrats. Now, they tend to be Reagan Democrats, Central Valley Democrats, who really want preservation of Prop 13, and who are vitally concerned over fiscal issues in the state of California. So we are not a Republican organization. It just so happens on our annual report card, Republicans get A's and B's, and Democrats get D's and F's. That is a function not of their party affiliation. That is a function of the votes that they've actually cast. So um, uh, we're nonpartisan. In in this instance, we are concerned about not having a voice at the top of the ticket. Travis Allen has been a very good ally. He, in, in fact, we make when we announce this endorsement, uh, we made it clear that Travis Allen has done very well on a report card, and he is an articulate spokesperson for the uh, for the taxpayer. Uh, but in all the internal and external polling we've seen, uh, we believe that John Cox is better positioned to carry the pro Prop 13 message uh, into the top two. Um, he has, uh, uh, he, in filling out the questionnaire, he made it very clear he is a big proponent of Proposition 13. Uh, he has been instrumental in helping us get the gas tax repeal on the ballot, and that was a major contributing factor as well, uh, that, that he joined our coalition, which was a very broad coalition of uh, Republican congressional incumbents, including uh, Mimi Walters and uh, Doug LaMalfa, and a whole bunch of uh, congressional Republicans who are concerned about Republican voter suppression uh, come November. And uh, John Cox is a big part of that, and there was another activist out of um, San Diego, Carl DeMaio, was a very energetic grassroots guy, was very instrumental the California Republican Party was very instrumental in joining our coalition, and so that was a, that was a major contributing factor as well. And that is that John Cox jo- was willing to join our effort to actually put this on the ballot. And it is our version, by the way, uh, uh, drafted by uh, attorneys that we're very familiar with. That is actually going to be on the ballot. We turned in nine hundred, uh, almost a million signatures this uh, this week. So. We're well positioned for that. And Matt, I was going to ask you about that one as well. 930,000 is well above, I think, the 585 or so that you need of valid signatures. But Jerry Brown, I mean, he, may, he, he, was, he was expressed on it. He's that they're going to do everything they can to disqualify signatures. And we saw that with the co-ed bathroom bill as they were throwing out signatures right and left. And that may actually make it back to the ballot after years of litigation. Do you think 930,000 is going to be enough when the Democrats are going to do everything they possibly can to disqualify signatures? Well, we'll see. You know, again, one of the benefits of having the broad coalition that we have is that our uh, army of lawyers. I guess. I guess political battles now aren't fought with soldiers; they're fought, fought with lawyers. Amen. But, uh, you know, lawfare. I, 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 I'm a. I'm an attorney myself. I spent ten years with a conservative group known as the Pacific Legal Foundation. I did. I've done election law cases, and uh, we're ready to pounce if they try this. And by the way, you you guys may recall they tried this with the um, Josh Newman recall by changing the statute itself on recall elections. Now, they got away with that. Now, there are some pending issues that are still in the courts, and we, we feel comfortable about where we are there. But you're right. I don't trust the, the Jerry Brown and the special interests as far as I can throw them uh, when it comes to, look, make your arguments to the California voter, but don't pull this crap 
of manipulating the election process, California starts to look like Venezuela or Cuba with the you know with the, this one party rule that is quite it's, it's it's embarrassing to the state to have this kind of manipulation of the process. If you don't if you want to defend this gas tax increase, this car tax increase, then make your arguments to the California voters. Don't try to prevent them from voting on it. This is this is something that uh, makes us extremely angry uh, if they were to try to do this. I know you have limited time. I'll ask you about one other race, which may be almost as important as the governor's race, and that is of uh, Chad Mays, the cap-and-trader who supported the cap-and-trade tax. You've endorsed Andrew Kotyuk, who is running against him. Um, what more can be done to help push that through? Because if Chad Mays gets through, that's a, that's a, that's a, a lesson to every tax-raising Republican that they can get away with it. Yes, you know, we, that's one of the races that we're watching very, very carefully. Uh, what I liked about, you know, obviously, I, I, I think, Chad, if he had to do it over again, wouldn't do that. That was a deal with the I'm not. I, I'm and, not sure I agree with you on that, but please continue. Yeah, uh, what we liked about Andrew was that he was just, he's he's hardcore on our issues and he's like so uh, energetic and uh, our confidence level with Andrew uh, is is very high. That that cap and trade deal was based on the theory that well we'll give them a little bit and they won't come after us stronger later. That that's the feeding the alligators theory of politics. And it's just wrong. And I've seen this over and over again where uh, moderate interests who believe you can work with the other side will cut these deals only to have those deals broken. And I could sit here and list a dozen instances where political promises were made in order to get Republican votes only to have those promises broken. And then they, and then the Republicans involved are all wide eyed and like, well, they lied to us. My, you know, it's like re- Lucy in the football, right? <laughs> yeah. It's Lucy. It's my response is of course they lie. Right. For goodness sakes. These guys lie all the time. I mean, why would you expect anything else? Uh, I think the best thing that concerned, I won't say Republican, the best thing that re- uh, conservative candidates can do is if they get elected is to come up here they don't have to cut deals they should be respectful to, of the other side but they got to articulate conservative uh, private property rights free enterprise principles and do it do it with standing up straight and looking right at the camera and do that and ultimately i think will prevail one guy who does this great uh, i mean he's not a flamethrower uh, is Senator John Morlock when he gives oh, a speech gosh. on the on the financial health of California? It's some of the best. He's one of the best speakers I've seen in a long time because he he this guy's a numbers guy, and uh, I just wish everybody would watch one of his presentations. So uh, he's Orange County. I realize that not Inland Empire, but but uh, people like that. That's when we endorse candidates. Uh, that's what we're looking for. John is John is definitely the model. And your earlier to your earlier comment, uh, we learned that appeasement didn't work back in 1938. It doesn't work today. Never works. We are in a war, uh, John, and I'm sure you'd agree that this is. You know, we are in a divided era. That division is just does nothing but increase. And I to the point where I believe that although we would call city council, school board, and county races nonpartisan. I don't think we have that luxury anymore because those are the incubators for people that go on to higher office. And I think it's important that we discern 
the rudder, the grounding, the foundation of every candidate at every level and uh, do as you say, because ultimately your scorecard does reflect that Republican values tend to be more fiscally conservative. Yes. Yeah, I couldn't I couldn't agree with more. So uh, we'll just see how it all shakes out. I'll be down there at the uh, uh, convention this weekend, um, I guess, uh, 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 perhaps uh, um, as we're as we're speaking now. But uh, uh, but it's going to be interesting. It's going to going to be contentious. And uh, we'll be presenting our views on all the ballot measures, at least the ones that have qualified for June and some of the ones that are that are likely to qualify for November, there are opportunities. There are some good opportunities for fiscal conservatives as we're moving forward. So people Wonderful. need to stay engaged. Thank you so much for for joining us. I know your time is short and you're very busy. People can reach you at uh, www.hjta.org. They can see your full list of endorsements and learn more about what you're doing to protect the taxpayers of California. Once again, thanks for uh, being on our show and everything you're doing for the cause. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, uh, be happy to come back anytime. Appreciate it, John. Have a great day. More up ahead as the Unite Inland Empire radio show continues. Hi, this is Ed Hoffman, president of Wholesale Capital Corporation and host of the main event, which airs every weekend here on AM590, The Answer. I'm proud to be a part of the effort to make America great again, not just by supporting this station and conservative movement, but also by helping people achieve the American dream of homeownership. Whether you're looking to achieve that dream and you need financing, or you already own a home and you're considering refinancing your mortgage in order to lower your payment, shorten your term, or pay off high-interest debt, or if you're over 62 and want to look into that great financing tool known as a reverse mortgage, call me at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. One last time, toll-free day or night, 855-640-2020. I'll give you all your options, answer all your questions, and walk you through the process. And don't forget to listen to my show, The Main Event, Saturdays at 10 a.m. and 9 p.m., Sundays at 8 a.m., right here on AM 590, The Answer. Licensed by the California Bureau of Real Estate Broker License Number 01147747 and California Finance Lenders License Number 603K610. Also licensed in Arizona by the Arizona Department of Financial Institutions, MB number 096199. Welcome back to the United Inland Empire radio program all across California, in fact, the nation. Uh, we have midterm madness unfolding, particularly in California, because there are a number of races that could literally decide the outcome of the Trump agenda in Congress, uh, the supermajority prospects in Sacramento. And right here at home, we've got contentious and important races all across the Inland Empire. Some of them contentious, all of them important. Uh, but one that's not so contentious, interestingly enough, is the race for the San Bernardino District Attorney. And I say not contentious, Greg, because we uh, not too long ago, there was the San Bernardino County held a endorsement convention on Saturday. And all of the candidates that were running throughout San Bernardino County uh, were invited to attend, and the San Bernardino County made some decisions about who they were going to endorse. Now, some of those races, uh, you know, are a little animated. One I was really shocked about is the San Bernardino District Attorney. Both of the candidates were on the stage. They both made very cordial statements. It was very difficult to, uh, for me, from the podium, to differentiate between the two. So here to help that with that process of differentiating who the candidates are, we have one of the candidates for San Bernardino District Attorney with us, Jason Anderson, who is running for the District Attorney position. Welcome to the United Inland Empire Radio Program. Thanks, sir. Pleasure to be here. 
It's great to have you and uh, to have you here so that you can help uh, educate the voters about what it is that differentiates you from the current individual that holds that office. So give us a breakdown. What is it? Why did you decide to run for this position and what differentiates you between yourself and the individual that currently holds that office? I decided to run because I was a veteran prosecutor of 17 years in the office. I worked there from 1998 till 2014. I left in 2014. The reason I left was I did not like the direction the office was going. It became very political. And the reason that I say that is that at that time, and even before then, um, the incumbent was seeking any other position other than the San Bernardino County District Attorney's Office. And what was happening is, is that resources were not being utilized in regards to public safety locally. It was more about... Um, uh, namesake, uh, uh, special units in the office, uh-huh. uh, a lot of uh, grandstanding politically to try to uh, increase his name recognition. And I saw morale in the office drop. I saw that uh, discretion among professional prosecutors was not being allowed to be exercised simply to, to turn numbers into uh, perhaps a political platform for something else. And my heart's always been in the DA's office because I've done that professionally longer than I've done anything. So that's what spurred me on to, to try to come back uh, into the office. And obviously... I felt it was strategic uh, to not try to run from within the office because obviously that has um, ramifications in terms of retaliatory um, uh, actions that could occur. And I felt like professionally I was better off getting out on my own and frankly experiencing the private sector to some degree so that I would have an understanding of the resource and what it takes to run a DA's office from a fiscal responsibility also rather than just be a lifelong government employee. Very good. There are some places in the world – Chicago, Nigeria, New Jersey, San Bernardino County, that are just endemically corrupt. They go year after year, politician after politician. Uh, you know, the, Someone said that uh, San Bernardino County has its own form of term limits. One term in office, one term in prison. <laughs> oh, man. That's a good That's one. very funny. That's a good one. No, okay, and... Ramos has been part of this. I mean, I can't say he's been personally taking on taking money or anything like that, but he's part of this corrupt culture, and that's a, and that's a plot that's affected how the law is enforced. And we see this at the national level. What's been happening? But why is it important to have a non-political law enforcement and DA? Because if you have no other political aspirations, and the purpose for seeking the position is not for power and self-aggrandation or self-enrichment, then you understand and keep your eye on the mission of what the office is, which is public safety, never politics. So in terms of that, I've committed, and I've made this very clear when I announced back in the end of January, February, I am not going to seek any additional office once I'm elected to DA. I'm not going to have my eye on anything else because I understand what it means to be a DA. I understand what it means to, uh, um, to administer the office. I think if you begin with that premise... It's that culture and leadership change that starts to change the entire office from being something that just becomes this monstrosity that's the most powerful office in the county that is simply used for something else. It shouldn't be done that way. It should be used for public safety locally with the residents, rolling up your sleeves and getting involved in it, and also managing it in such a way that your resources are devoted always the right way, not externally, Mm -hmm. but internally to the county in which you work. People are seeing in their mailboxes, and I've gotten been getting them these big, expensive 
mailers from somebody called the, the uh, Business Leaders for Fair and Ethical Government. And that, that relates to the colonies case. And we're going to talk about that in the next segment. Okay. But when we in the Redlands Tea Party Patriots interviewed you and, and have endorsed your, your, your candidacy. Thank you. You talked about the... the under Ramos, the DA's office will, ha- will, will issue charges, issue a press release, but the follow-through on that isn't through. They may plea bargain, they may, in case may go away. Right. Can you give us some examples of how that works in the Ramos DA's office? Well, I mean, obviously, the, the, the colonies was one of the biggest examples of that when there was a dual press conference between Mike Ramos and Jerry Brown announcing that it was the largest corruption case in the history of California. Mm. Uh, that was done a long time ago, uh, and that, in my opinion, was done because at that time, Mr. Ramos wanted to be the attorney general of California, and I believe he was trying to cozy up to Jerry Brown in regards to that. Um, you know, there's also uh, examples of other cases in which when I was in the DA's office where there is – you know, oftentimes press releases, uh, and then the cases don't, you know, go the way in which, you know, they're supposed to go. Um, you know, that is the, that is the seduction of the position is being able to use those cases to have those press conferences. And that's not what it's about. It's about, can you prove a case beyond a reasonable doubt? Because obviously the prosecution's office is in the business of keeping the public safe, but it's mainly in the business of administering justice. And if you can't prove a case beyond a reasonable doubt against an individual, despite how you feel against that person, justice requires that you don't file that case. Nothing else matters. That's the law of the land. It should be followed. And that's the ethics that we need to follow. It's that type of leadership and that culture change that will then, I think, set the tone for people know where they stand in terms of the way this office operates. You also told us about that uh, Ramos has a, de- has a death penalty case in which a prison guard was murdered, and this case has been pending, hasn't gone to trial, and, and the, the victim's family doesn't have any closure no. for 14 years. It's, it, it, Mike Ramos did a lot of work on the death penalty initiative that was uh, a proposition to reform the death penalty. There was a couple years ago, everyone will remember, there was either re- repeal the death penalty or reform the death penalty. He was, was very- Prop 66, if yeah. people are keeping track on their home games. It's impressive. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> it is. And very, 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 um, uh, uh, in terms of um, uh, reforming the death penalty, and uh, which I was in favor of. I'm, I'm pro-death penalty, obviously, in the right circumstances, under the, under the right types of cases. But in terms of the irony is that there's a case involving a gentleman that is in the DA's office. It's 14 years old. It's never actually gone to trial. At this point, uh, a former colleague of mine who has since retired, she worked on it initially, and she is wondering why the case is so old. Um, so, you know, it sits there and, you know, I, I have no role in it now because I'm not in the office, but I certainly would want to evaluate it, look at it and go, why do we have a death penalty case that's 14 years old and nothing's happening on the case? That's a good place for us to take a break in the conversation. We need to hear a word from our sponsors for this half hour, and we will be back with more with Jason Anderson, who is running for the DA's office here in San Bernardino County, and uh, explore what kinds of things he might do administratively to make the office run more efficiently. After this word from All-Star Collision, the place to take your car when you have an accident, because they are truly the kings of wreck and roll. Back after this. When you're in an auto accident, you want quality repairs done as fast as possible. All you need is All-Star. 
For 20 years, CarStar, All-Star Collision, and Corona has delivered quality work and customer service with honesty and integrity. So when the inevitable happens to you, all you need is CarStar, All-Star Collision. 951-279-9161. Mention AM590 and get a free rental car for up to five days or $100 off your repairs. CarStar, All-Star Collision, the kings of wreck and roll. 951-279-9161. AM590, the answer. This is Senator Mike Morrell asking you to tune in to Unite IE Radio every Saturday at 4 o'clock on AM 590, The Answer. Welcome back to Unite IE Radio, the radio show for the most important political office, that of the private citizen. We have in studio Jason Anderson, who is running for San Marino County DA to replace the uh, Mike Ramos, who, I mean, he may not be taking money in his pocket, is part of the corrupt culture of San Bernardino County. Oh, there's and, a, you mean there's a swamp in San Bernardino County? And it is as fetid as it is in Sacramento or in Washington, D.C. So in your opinion, are we sitting with a drain the swamp candidate right now in Jason Anderson? <laughs> we hope so. And that's All right. Why, and that's why we've endorsed him in the Redlands Tea Party Patriots. Everyone, I mean, I, I am and probably most of the people listening are getting mailer after mailer regarding this race and outlining Ramos's record. And this is being put out by a group called the uh, Business Leaders for Fair and Ethical Government. And Uh-oh, sounds like this is anything but. Well, and and this and this is this was we well, you to, have to put that in your name. Maybe you're not so much that. Okay. The the people behind this organization are the defendants in the Colonies corruption case who went tr- eight months uh, okay. and then the jury came back within a day and uh acquitted and their comments regarding the case i mean it was it was just it was just scaly i got some of them here it was uh, uh i never thought the da's office was corrupt until after this trial uh, everybody was looking to put a feather in their cap especially ramos and it wasn't for the money that uh jeff burham had they would have walked all over them and everyone else would have been screwed uh, they were pulling a fast one and bringing up uh, things that were weren't true, and, and these are the jurors that sat sat, sat through this. Mm, wow! So these the, the, the defendants here. I withdraw are now, my remark, counselor. Okay. So the defendants <laughs> here have decided that they don't want Ramos making being DA anymore. Okay. And we were we were we had some we had some concern. Is that, are we stepping into a, this political thicket of and while Ramos may not, is a bad guy, are these defendants here over here? any better the developers and uh, we were satisfied that they are and you told the story and I'm going to give you a chance to talk after I've been doing this monologue here for the last five minutes is that uh, it really seemed to be that the, the, the colonies defendants won a big civil lawsuit against the county repeatedly they won okay and then in retaliation it seems that the county then brought DA the Ramos brought criminal charges against them correct what, what happened was was that uh, there was um litigation initially, uh, and the, the colonies continued to win. It was over a uh, water basin in Upland, San Bernardino County area where the county had an easement. We don't need to go into all the particulars of it, but it was litigated in the civil courts, and the colonies ended up winning. They won twice. So what was becoming a situation where the county was looking at greater liability, the colonies went to the county and says, let's settle this case. So they uh, used, obviously, very uh, aggressive uh, tactics in terms of saying, we've won in the lower courts, we've won in the trial courts, this is going to cost you three times 
if there's a damages phase, let's just settle this out. It was settled. It was not a unanimous vote by the supervisors. Shortly after the settlement, there were monies that were put into already established political action committees, above board, reported on 460s, and that turned into be the bribe for the settlement. And that's what this case came about. If you look at the underlying civil legalities of it, there was no need to have any bribe. Number one, you don't bribe somebody over the table. And number two, they had won in the civil courts. It was very clear and objective that the business owners had beat the county in the land deal. That's the bottom line. So what spurned out of that then was concern about perhaps subsequent political action that these guys who are active might take. And so this case came around as a way to sort of squelch uh, what many felt was, you know, their future in terms of in- impacting politics. Now, obviously, I've been criticized at any every turn by Mike Ramos and, and his uh, consultant by saying, you know, they're nothing but a bunch of disgruntled rich guys and they're just propping me up. OK, I want to be very clear. None of that is true. They're not disgruntled. They were wrongfully prosecuted for about seven years, and they were vindicated. That's how this country works. That's why we have a constitution. You don't wrongfully prosecute people and turn around and go, sorry, no harm, no foul. The, the, the image that I've told people, whoever will listen, if you think back 10 years ago, the Duke lacrosse players were all charged with raping the stripper. That DA was in an election cycle. As that case progressed, that case unwound. Those boys didn't do what they were accused of doing. Nobody disagrees with that. In this case, no one disagrees that those four individuals, like them or not, were not guilty of what they were charged with. Are we to say that there's not going to be a political response when the initial case was politically motivated? You have a right to exercise your First Amendment right, your Sixth Amendment right to counsel, and the democratic process. And that's what that's about. So, you know, to be maligned that these guys are going to prop me up, that's not what's happening. I want to be very clear. Non-lawyers have no say in a law office. The ABA rules of conduct that govern what attorneys do say that non-lawyers cannot have a say in the way a law office is run. No one who's supporting me now, whether it be those guys or anyone else, is going to come to me and say, hey, remember me? Now I want this done. It's a law office that I will run. We will do the mission of the largest law office in the county. That's not going to be a concern. Those guys know, and anybody who knows me over the last 21 years knows that also. Now, when we, t- we talked to you uh, in, uh, in our endorsement meeting, you you have a long-term friendship with one of them that predates any of this stuff. Absolutely. Because you, you, your kids are playing soccer together. Yes. But the other people, you don't, you're not friends, you don't no. associate with, you don't business deals with them. Correct. They're just, they're just aggrieved because they were, they, were, they were wrongfully prosecuted. Correct. Correct. My favorite moment in the case was when Supervisor Josie Gonzalez t- goes up and testifies and says that on a 2005 trip to uh, China together, one of the defendants badgered her to approve the project. Of course, that's not a crime. Badgering is not a crime. Right. Passport shows that the defendant wasn't in China in 2005. So then she says, okay, it was 2006 then. But Gonzalez's passport shows that she wasn't in China in 2006. Right. Clear lie, perjury, which, of course, was not prosecuted. Right. But that sort of exemplified for me the entire case. Well, and, and, and I'll even go a little bit further than that in terms of my experience as a DA. I understand that witnesses sometimes will have faulty memories for two different reasons. Sure. Either they don't remember they're nervous testifying. Nobody's really a professional witness unless you're law enforcement and they know what they're doing. Uh, they're, they're professionals at it. Or you're not telling the truth, okay? 
But I don't even put it off on a witness. I don't blame that case on the failure of the prosecution's witnesses to not do what they thought the prosecution was going to have them do. The issue of passports is verifiable, objective, demonstrative evidence that if you take a look at and you go, my theory is A, but the evidence says B happened, then you don't become a proponent of theory A. And yet they did. Got it. It's a lack of wisdom, judgment, and discernment. That's the issue there. I have no problem with the witness saying one thing. When you have demonstrative evidence and you know as a prosecutor that you can't prove a certain point, why would you put a witness up there to try to do it when all the other evidence says you can't? In any case. This obviously is a flagship issue for San Bernardino County and really does sort of bring out uh, the argument that maybe it is time for a change yeah. in the San Bernardino Just, just one point office. before we go to break here, and that this bogus prosecution cost the taxpayers $50 million. If you do the numbers, just the wow. raw numbers, then you're talking about salary, resource, appellate time, the defense side, all that. Yes. $50 million. We're going to take a real quick break. We're visiting with Jason Anderson, and uh, he is a uh, candidate for San Bernardino County DA. We'll continue the conversation with him after this break from our sponsor for this half hour. All-Star Collision, the place to take your car when you have an accident because they are truly the kings of rock and roll. Back after this. When you're in an auto accident, you want quality repairs done as fast as possible. All you need is All-Star. For 20 years, CarStar, All-Star Collision, and Corona has delivered quality work and customer service with honesty and integrity. So when the inevitable happens to you, all you need is CarStar, All-Star Collision. 951-279-9161. Mention AM590 and get a free rental car for up to five days or $100 off your repairs. CarStar, All-Star Collision, the kings of wreck and roll. 951-279-9161. AM590, the answer. Welcome back to the United Land Empire radio program. We are visiting with someone that would like to uh, clean up, uh, as we've been learning, the uh, DA's office in San Bernardino. His name is Jason Anderson. You can actually connect with Jason Anderson uh, on his website. His website is jasonandersonda.org or com? Dot com. Dot com. JasonAndersonDA.com. So if folks want to get involved in your campaign, they can go there. They can make contributions. Correct. They can help you walk neighborhoods. They can do whatever it is that's necessary in order to help you get the word out if the folks who are listening today are inclined to do so. Um, Other things that need to be done in the DA's office to clean things up. What um, administratively, you know... Obviously, we've got overhead from AB 109, Prop 57, Prop 47, and now this SB 54 that wants to release illegal uh, alien criminals back onto the streets. Um, What needs to be done to keep people safe in the DA's office that's not being done now? Obviously, with a lot of these changes that are coming down from the state level, uh, I believe that you need to partner as closely as possible with the local law enforcement agencies to assist them in letting the DA's office know how they're handling certain cases that at one time would have been felonies that are now misdemeanors. Mm -hmm. What is that doing to the caseload in the DA's office? Because it's that direct caseload that affects the DA's that are handling the cases in the courtrooms. If they are overwhelmed, which I think they are right now, uh, it's going to be difficult for them to be able to keep track of the cases where greater resources should be dealt because those cases are more serious and to partner with law enforcement in terms of that area. And the other thing I'll be very frank about, 
we need to get rid of a lot of these specialty units that have been created over the last decade in terms of all these um, window dressing units that are currently in the DA's office. The bulk of the cases are occurring in the general felonies that are filling up the courtrooms taking up space and taking up time away from serious cases Mm -hmm. that are sometimes going two, three, four years before they go to trial. The cases in which people on the receiving end are victims, they have experienced pain, they've experienced uh, tremendous loss, um, and we need to attack those cases. And obviously the cases uh, that deal with um, more vulnerable victims, elderly, Mm -hmm. women, and then crimes against children uh, in terms of that. So but in terms of the 47 AB 109, that really has to be a close partnership with law enforcement so they know what the DA's office is doing and devoting, instead of specialty unit resources, filing cases, handling those cases in court, dealing with your most serious cases. I don't think that's happening right now. Okay. I want to talk about a little more, a little strategic issue or a, large, a larger issue. We often quote Justice Brandeis, the most important political office is that of the private citizen. He also said that if we desire respect for the law, we must first make the law respectable. Yes. And I think that from, from the big players all down, down to the Ramos and local level is the law is not respectable now. Because it's used, it's 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 too often used as a power tool, and it, the law. Boy, is, are we seeing that in D.C. right now? Well, the the, 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 the law is is becoming it, it's Humpty Dumpty law. Yeah, you know, in in through the looking glass, Humpty Dumpty tells Alice, "Words mean what I say they mean. Right. No more, no less." And people that are responsible for enforcing the law and interpreting the law seem to have that same philosophy. Yeah, and and again, it it, it when it's viewed as a subjective means to an end. It's not being applied the way our founding fathers thought it was going to be applied in terms of the due process that's due to everyone. And again, I go back to the example of people with means, like in the colonies case, that's the rare few people who would be able to have the resource to be able to withstand the leverage of the office. You know, what's happening to people who don't have that in terms of it when the law is not being respected and being applied properly? That's again, I go back to my mantra is. File cases you can prove beyond a reasonable doubt. That's the standard. That is not a complicated, difficult standard. That is the standard. And keep the politics out of it. I just saw there was a, there was a guy on uh, Tucker Carlson this past week. And he was, uh, he'd been a volunteer. or He worked in the Trump campaign. Just a witness called into, he's been interviewed by Mueller. He has incurred legal bills of $125,000, and there is no underlying crime there. He was simply a witness. He's he's simply a witness. He says, I will never work in a Republican campaign again. Right. Yeah. So the law has become an instrument of political warfare, not an instrument of fair and equal justice for all Americans. I agree. I agree. And that's what you want to bring. I do want to bring that. And again, it's a matter of resource. It's a matter of changing the culture and the leadership that it's not about the particular person who leads the office. It's about the mission of the office. We were talking to Jason Anderson. He's a candidate for DA here in San Bernardino County. You can learn more about his endorsements, how you can help him at jasonandersonda.com. He's got all the issues uh, laid out there for folks that want to make sure that you... uh, uh, get somebody if you believe what you uh, uh, if you believe that there needs to be a change. Uh, go to that website and learn more. Jason, thank you for joining us. Thank you guys very much. Thank you. We will be back next week with another edition of the Unite Inland Empire Radio Program.
When you're in an auto accident, you want quality repairs done as fast as possible. All you need is All-Star. For 20 years, CarStar, All-Star Collision, and Corona has delivered quality work and customer service with honesty and integrity. So when the inevitable happens to you, all you need is CarStar, All-Star Collision. 951-279-9161. Mention AM590 and get a free rental car for up to five days or $100 off your repairs. CarStar, All-Star Collision, the kings of wreck and roll. 951-279-9161. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.